This is the Environmental Integrity Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Pelton. I'm here today with Abel Russ, Senior Attorney with the Environmental Integrity Project and author of our new report, Coal's Poisonous Legacy. Every year across the United States, coal-fired power plants produce about 100 million tons of coal ash. For decades, this coal ash has been dumped basically into pits in the ground. What has been the environmental impact of this dumping? Well, they all leak. Um, none of those pits have good liners. There might be something like 5% of them that have liners that meet EPA's design criteria, but for the most part, they're not well lined, and so, uh, and a lot of them have a lot of water in them, they're ponds. Even the landfills are unlined, though, and they tend to leak all of these toxic pollutants out into the surrounding groundwater, and then from there, either deeper groundwater or rivers and streams, um, making fish toxic affecting people's health, and so on. And, and when you say they leak, what are they leaking exactly? There's a long list. There are a bunch of uh, heavy metals. There are things that cause cancer, like arsenic. There are things that affect developing nervous systems and brains, like lead and mercury. And there are a bunch of chemicals in there that are toxic to aquatic life as well. And I guess rain falls on these ash landfills and washes through the ash Yep. And it carries the arsenic and the lead and the other chemicals down into the groundwater. Yeah, rain and actually groundwater itself washes through the coal ash because a lot of these things are buried uh, in a way that they're sitting in groundwater. So the precipitation is coming down from above, the groundwater is coming from the side, and the ash is getting wet all the time. And when it's wet, the toxic chemicals are bleeding out of it and moving into the environment. And this is preventable. I mean, I guess there are ways you can design a dump so that it doesn't leak. Yeah, and the coal ash rule that EPA completed in 2015 set standards for doing that and they require a liner that has two parts basically two feet of uh, compacted clay and then on top of that a waterproof plastic liner and if you have a pond or a landfill that's built with that kind of liner at least according to EPA that should be good enough. Now you looked at some data that was never before available right I guess in 2015 EPA passed the nation's first ever national regulations for the disposal of coal ash. And one of the parts of that rule was that power companies had to publicly disclose yep. what the groundwater monitoring around their dumps was showing. And how did you collect that data and, and what did you do to it? <laughs> well, it took a long time. It took several months for us to enter it all. What we had before was a patchwork where some sites were reporting groundwater data under state law but not all of the data that we wanted. And then many sites weren't reporting anything at all. This is the first time that the whole industry had to report the same thing at the same time. They had at least eight rounds of sampling for every site, for every well, for 21 different pollutants. And so we had over 800,000 different data points total. And we had a lot of volunteers helping with data entry. Uh, and you looked at 265 power plants across yep. the, the country. And the groundwater monitoring data this is self-reported data from the companies. Yep. This is not a bunch of tree huggers out there sampling the water. This That's is right. power companies self-reporting this data. And how many of those 265 are contaminating the groundwater? I There are two ways to answer that question. I think 96% of them total are, so that would be 254. Um, there are 242 sites where the groundwater has unsafe levels of coal ash pollutants, and we know where it's coming from. And it's coming from the regulated ash dumps that they're monitoring. There are another 12 sites where the groundwater has unsafe levels of coal ash pollutants, and we're not sure where it's coming from. It might be coming from the regulated ash dumps. It might be coming from other unregulated ash dumps on the sites, and maybe both. But at least 91% at least 91% of the uh, coal ash dumps are contaminating 
the groundwater. And one thing I want to add about the fact that this is industry data that I think is really interesting. They can put their wells basically wherever they want. They have to have some upgradient, meaning the, the background groundwater before it comes through the ash dump. And then they have to have some downgrading on the other side. But other than that, they're free to put the wells where they want. And so they have an incentive here to put the wells in places that will show the least contamination. And even with that that dynamic at play, we found that at least 91% of the sites. And what's fascinating is that the federal rules require companies to test the groundwater all around their dumps, and we found out what that means. That means that we know they're leaking. But there's no rules that require the testing of people's drinking water right. around these well sites and around these dumps. Do you have any evidence that it's getting into people's drinking water sometimes? Yes, yeah. We put a list in our report of 15 of the examples that I think are the most uh, clear-cut. These are the ones where it's almost, it's indisputable. These people have drinking water wells that were contaminated by coal ash. Um, there are a lot of other examples that are sort of harder to pin down, and there are a lot of other examples out there that I just didn't have uh, at my disposal, but it happens a lot. But you're right, we don't know systematically like we do with the on-site groundwater data for all 265 sites. They're not all measuring, in fact, none of them pursuant to federal law are measuring uh, residential wells. drinking water nearby. But even in the anecdotal cases that we have found, it can be some serious amount of pollutants. Yeah. Uh, in Gambrels, Maryland, uh, just south of Baltimore, uh, there's an old coal ash landfill that used a sand and gravel mine, and there's unsafe levels of arsenic yeah. and lithium and other pollutants getting to people's tap water. Right. In Yorktown Power Station, Yorktown, Virginia, gravel pits were filled with fly ash, and it contaminated the water supply for 55 homes right. with arsenic, beryllium, chromium, and other toxic pollutants. Uh, Montana, Wisconsin, uh, in northern Indiana, it's called the town of Pines, east of Gary, Indiana. There was a Superfund site because there was so much contamination leaking from coal ash that was used as kind of landfill. It was used as construction material, and I guess right. it got into people's tap water. Yep. So this is not just a matter of an academic concern. It is impacting people's drinking water. What is the Trump administration doing about this problem? Well, you can imagine the Trump administration and the Trump EPA, which is being led by a coal lobbyist, is not trying very hard to fix this problem or do anything about it. I asked the same question to Lisa Evans, a colleague of yours and a coal ash expert at Earth Justice. Here's what she said. Quite simply, EPA Administrator Andrew Wheeler is ignoring the problem and actually weakening federal protections, as demanded by the coal and utility industries. Last spring, in response to industry demands, Wheeler proposed a sweeping rollback of the 2015 coal ash rule that would gut water protections and cleanup standards. This is hardly a surprise as Wheeler, as late as 2017, lobbied on behalf of Murray Energy to entirely eliminate the 2015 coal ash rule. Sometimes we get kind of worn out by all this conflict of interest business, but it's, it's actually kind of shocking. You have a former coal industry lobbyist now running EPA. The first thing he did when he got into office was try to weaken some of these coal ash rules that would impact companies that use coal and have to dispose of it. You know, it's kind of appalling. Yeah. To get off of coal for a second, he's doing a lot of things like undermining the integrity of the Scientific Advisory Board at EPA and the Clean Air Scientific Advisory Council at EPA. He's, no, he's doing the same things Pruitt was doing. It's, it's the same agenda, 
different figurehead, but the former EPA administrator Scott Pruitt, yeah. really almost like an oil and gas industry lobbyist, right. former Attorney General of Oklahoma, and he resigned in scandal. But you know, we also talked to some people who have been dealing with this issue, wrestling with this issue on a personal basis, and we found a, a rancher. Uh, Jason Peeler, who lives south of San Antonio, his family has been on the Peeler Ranch for a century. Yeah. Uh, and there is a coal ash dump that is leaking contaminants into the groundwater beneath their ranch. Here's Jason Peeler. The prospect of losing our ranch is like losing a family member. We believe the contamination from the ash pond is killing our soil, contaminating our groundwater, and we are seeing vegetation death in our pastures and fish kills in our ponds. Texans care a lot about regulation. They don't like regulation, but they also care a lot about property owners' rights. And his case was an interesting example of how if you believe in property owners' rights, if someone is contaminating the groundwater under your property, uh, that's a real problem. And, and he is fighting a coal-fired power plant that is now trying to condemn thousands of acres on his property because they don't want to clean it up. Right. And I think, how did his ranch rank when you look at all the... <laughs> contamination sites around the country how do they yeah. stack up it's the worst in the country and we there are a couple of ways you can rank the data but the, what we tried to do is look at where the groundwater exceeded uh, drinking water standards by the largest margin and if you look at it that way that site the san miguel power plant on his ranch is the most contaminated site in the country there are other ways to rank sites. I'm sure it would be in the top 10 no matter how you did it. It's one of the worst we've seen. We found, I guess, 12 pollutants leaking from the coal ash right. dumps there, uh, including cadmium, which is a probable carcinogen, uh, lithium, which can cause nerve damage uh, at concentrations more than 100 times right. higher than safe levels. Yeah. Um, we also talked to Amy Brown of Belmont, North Carolina. She lives uh, near a coal ash dump and here's what she told us. I got the results in April 2015 and from the state, and there was a letter in there that advised me uh, not to use my water for drinking or cooking. So from that point, 2015, for three and a half years, my family, along with almost a thousand other households throughout the whole state, were relying on bottled water that Duke Energy was providing us. So a big box truck would pull up in front of our home and deliver this water to us every two weeks. Um, we live that way. And what she's talking about there is she was officially notified by Duke Energy and then provided water by Duke Energy because their drinking water was contaminated. There's been a lot of coal ash contamination problems in North Carolina and also some terrible coal ash spills. I guess one of the problems with some of these coal ash ponds is that they have uh, retaining walls that break. And there was one that broke, I think, on the Dan River a few years ago, caused a catastrophic yeah. amount of pollution. I think that was a that was a pipe that broke at that site. That's right. That's right. But they, yeah, in different ways, these sites have had some big catastrophic spills. But I think the bigger, the, the long-term impact is probably going to be from the from the water, the the groundwater, because these, uh, it's 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 stretched out over a long period of time. But if you collapse it into one moment in time, it would be an enormous release of pollution. And um, at the site where Amy Brown lives, for example, the Allen site. They have an ash pit that's sitting in, I don't know, 30 or 40 feet of groundwater. That ash is saturated, and they're going to so leave the it where it is. the dump is underwater. I mean, the it's dump all is underwater. sitting in the water. Yeah, and they're going to put a cap over the top and, and walk away. And, of course, that's not going to do anything. No, it'll just keep leaking out. Yeah, and, you know, I really feel for the neighbors of that site. 
even if I, I mean, let's just imagine that they weren't currently being affected by the site. There's a really good chance they would be at some point in the in the not too distant future. Sure. So, the I think it was Duke. One of these companies has accused us of having a radical agenda, but I, I think our, our radical agenda is we want them to clean up their mess, and that's really all there is to it. It's a conservative agenda. We yeah. want them to conserve the groundwater, right. a precious natural resource. Here's what Duke Energy said of our report. Quote, this is yet another attempt to mislead the public by cherry-picking one or two data points out right. of thousands in order to advance a misleading narrative and extreme agenda. Unquote. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's just not true. I, it's funny to hear people say stuff like that because we looked at all the data. We didn't thousands really, and thousands of data points. Yeah, we didn't cherry pick anything. Uh, there's I'm really, not sure you even read the port, report. Yeah, honestly, I'm I mean, sure. to say one or two data points, I, I don't think he actually read it. I, another spokesman uh, rebutted our report this way. This is for the Pacific Corp. Quote: It appears that environmental integrity's analysis compared the monitoring well values with safe levels for drinking water. The groundwater in these areas has been naturally degraded by geologic deposits through which the water flows, unquote. Any validity to that? Actually, maybe. So there are some places where no one will ever drink the groundwater. And yeah. it might be because it's so salty or something like that, that no one could ever, you can't use it for washing, you can't use it for drinking. That might be the case, but that only partially addresses the problem because what we're seeing at a lot of these sites is that the groundwater quickly migrates into local surface water. And so then you have a situation where the pollutants get into the aquatic food chain or they build up in sediment or whatever it is. Uh, and those risks are serious as well. EPA found a lot of risks to uh, human health and the environment through that pathway. So surface even, water, yeah. Yeah. So even if the groundwater is not usable for drinking water today, it might be in the future or those pollutants might be getting into surface water where they're creating a risk that way. Right. Also, I think you were careful uh, when you looked at the monitoring wells, you looked at the upstream well, the downstream wells, and you were eliminating places where you thought, well, that's just a background level of, say, right. arsenic. Yeah. You were very careful to try to lim eliminate what seemed to be a naturally occurring yeah. levels by looking at the upstream and downstream wells. So we uh, it, it's inaccurate to say that we didn't take that into account Yeah, that's right. in our reports. I mean, certainly there is arsenic in Texas and other places in the ground, but we found a lot of places where there was more uh, right. arsenic downstream than upstream, yeah. indicating an increase there. We saw one site, I can't remember which one it was, but it was a coal ash site in an old mining area. And that's actually, that happens in quite a few places. And the, the mining that happened there 50 or 60 or 100 years ago contaminated the groundwater a little bit. Now, the coal ash dump is also contaminating the groundwater and they're taking a bad situation and they're making it worse. And they want to be absolved of any responsibility because it was a little bit messed up before. But they, they are also making it worse, which is their responsibility. Right, right. And you raised an important point, which is, it's not just a matter of drinking water. Right. Uh, there's a lot of surface water that is being polluted. Right. And we talked to Andrew Rain with the Prairie Rivers Network about the Illinois rivers that he uh, has been monitoring. And here's what he told us. Coal ash is impacting the groundwater across our entire state. And we've seen unsafe levels of groundwater at sites along Lake Michigan, the Illinois River, Lake Springfield, the Mississippi River, and many others. And perhaps the most alarming is the coal ash that is next to the middle fork of the Vermilion River, which is in east central Illinois, and there coal ash leachate is visibly seeping into the river, which happens to be Illinois' only national scenic river. This discolored water that's kind of pouring into it from this coal ash dump. I suppose this kind of contamination could cause 
mortality to fish, to clams, to all kinds of aquatic life. And so it's not just people that are at risk, although they are too, in terms of if you're going to have this in your drinking water supply, right. uh, but, it, but it's also harming our natural world. Yeah, for sure. There are a lot of pollutants in there that are harmful to aquatic plants and aquatic fish. Selenium in particular is really bad for, for fish, can cause deformities and reproductive failure and death. Uh, and then those same things make the fish toxic to humans to eat. So, um, yeah, that's a big problem. And, you know, the vermilion site that Andrew was talking about is, is an example of another problem that we flag in our report, which is that there are hundreds of ash dumps across the country that aren't covered by the federal coal ash rule. Because they're the, closed, they're they, old? They closed before 2015, and the, and the rule doesn't regulate those. They're sort of grandfathered. Um, and that might be half of the coal ash that's been dumped in the country over the years. Wow. A billion tons and more. Wow. Uh, so there's a lot of basically totally unregulated right. dump sites that are slowly right. leaking into the groundwater. Um, one fascinating kind of aspect of this is the financial responsibilities. Right. Whose responsibility is it to clean all this up? I mean, what do you think? Should the taxpayers be on the hook for this? I don't think they should be, but in a lot of cases they will be. Um, the bill that recently passed and was signed in Virginia will require Dominion Energy to clean up a lot of their coal ash dumps, and they get to... Uh, pass that on to the ratepayers um, because of the way it's structured in Virginia. In some places you can do that, in some places you can't. I, I wonder about that. I mean, it's, it's, it's baked into the law. It's really hard to get around that particular right. problem. And if a public utility is the one that's having to pay the bill, I guess in the end, all people have to pay for right. it. Right, yeah. So it's irresponsible behavior that we're all going to pay for uh, right. in the end uh, if there are cleanup costs. But the, you know, the interesting thing there is that it's, even, even if we are, as taxpayers, paying for it, it's much cheaper to do it now, get the source out of there, right? rather than wait until it's all uh, distributed through the environment and then try to clean it up. It'll be right. much, much harder and much more expensive then. Right. And one kind of ramification of this is this is yet another, and it's, it's a seldom discussed part of the just extreme cost of coal. Right. Uh, I mean, we have coal causing mercury contamination in fish around the world, causing asthma attacks and, and heart attacks from the particulate pollution, the microscopic soot, soot pollution, contributing to climate change. Yeah. And we also now have this incredible ash problem that just grows year by year by year. I guess part of the argument here is that shouldn't we start shifting towards cleaner sources of energy? Yeah, and I think, uh, I, don't, I don't remember who published these results, but just recently it became clear that wind and solar energy is cheaper than coal now, pretty much across the board. Sure. And there were places where that was happening before. But at this point, coal is more expensive than natural gas, wind, solar. There are many alternatives to coal right. that are cheaper. There's really no reason to be doing it anymore. Right. Trump talks about the war on coal, but actually it was capitalism that waged yeah. a war on coal. Yeah. Hydraulic fracturing for natural gas made natural gas cheaper. People chose the cheaper fuel. Right. Solar power and wind are now becoming cheaper. People are choosing the cheaper energy. So that's not Obama's EPA right. shutting down the coal plants. That's capitalism at work. Right. And perhaps that'll keep shifting that direction. Although, you know, uh, with Trump uh, having a trade war with China and they're raising the price of solar panels built in China, that's, I know in Maryland here, for example, we've lost hundreds of solar jobs yeah. because of that. So yeah. uh, the administration is certainly not helping in this transition to cleaner energy. Right. So what's the answer? It sounds like you're in court currently yeah. trying to urge EPA to make these rules stronger. Yeah, in a couple of ways. We've been working with them and against them for years uh, to try to make these regulations stronger. And 
Yeah, it's just one piece of the whole puzzle. Uh, there are a lot of ways in which we'd like the coal industry to be cleaner. But with regard to coal ash disposal, um, there's a lot that EPA can do and should do, and I think eventually will have to do. Yeah. It just might take a few years. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks very much. This has been Abel Russ and Tom Pelton of the Environmental Integrity Project. And uh, have a great afternoon. Thanks, Tom.